Welcome to Winning the Global Talent War, a podcast about how leaders around the world are approaching global talent acquisition. I'm Jonathan Romley, CEO and co-founder of Lundy. My guest today is Mark Headley, Vice President of Talent Recruiting for Globalization Partners. Mark helps businesses access global talent to grow internationally, an area of passion for him having lived and worked on four continents himself in the past 25 years. The biggest change he's seen in these years has been moving work to people instead of the other way around. What that exactly means and how talent acquisition and global expansion has changed, that's what we talk about. I'm excited to bring this interview to you, as in it, Mark will discuss details of a brand new recruiting tool, which globalization partners have just added. So let's dive in. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jonathan. Good to be here. Where in the world are you today? I'm in less than sunny London. I think we had one day of sun last week and it's gone now. So we're back into the changeable weather here in London. What are you most excited about right now? Working in a role and in a company that really links the passion and the purpose. And that's the first time in my career that I've had that really strong link. If I rewind 25 years of my career, I started in global mobility and I was moving people to work. So moving expatriates around the world for different roles in different countries. And and I lived that myself for a large part of that. I was very fortunate. And I think the one thing is that there were lots of opportunities, but I did see that those opportunities weren't broadly distributed. Everybody didn't have access to that. And I think what I'm excited about now is that in the world of remote work, we're starting to move work to people and distribute that opportunity a little bit more. It's truly an exciting place to be as we can shape the future of work and democratize some of that opportunity as well. It's a great place to be right now. You're in the UK, but you haven't always lived there. You've lived that expat life yourself. Where else have you lived in the world? I like to say that global from day one because I'm from the UK originally. I was born in England. I spent my late teenage years in Australia, so I finished my undergraduate education in the US. And my first job was actually in Hong Kong, working for a global mobility relocation company. Over a period of 25 years, I haven't really stayed in one location for too long. And when I say global nomad, it really does apply to me. 25 years, so many different countries, so many different experiences around the world. What's changed from your first experience in global mobility A lot of things really haven't changed. At the same time, everything has changed in terms of the global nature of business, the global nature of talent and moving people and opportunities around the world. That was something that was there 25 years ago. I think over time, different events have happened, global financial crisis, the pandemic that have either decelerated that or massively accelerated opportunities. But for me, I started in global mobility and then moved into talent acquisition. It's about the people and it's about having the best people in the right roles for the right organizations at the right time. But I don't think that really ever changes. I think the context we live in and certainly we've experienced it over the last 18 months has significantly changed. Technology, that's the catalyst for a lot of the change that we've seen A lot of the opportunity is around technology, whether it's for communication or it's for different parts of different processes within organizations. But we always come back to it's about people. It's about me and you. Before joining Globalization Partners, you were the VP of Global Talent Acquisition at Corn Ferry. What was that like? Corn Ferry, it's a really talent acquisition driven company, whether it's at the executive search level, professional search, which is that middle to senior management, and also 
recruitment outsourcing. I was global head of talent acquisition. So internal talent acquisition. How do you do talent acquisition for a talent acquisition company? If you look at Corn Ferry, half of the business, if not more, is actually in HR consulting. It's about talent organizational strategy, leadership and development, total reward strategy. So it's very much an organizational strategy firm with very deep you know, history in talent acquisition, but really taking that and bringing in the consulting side of things and helping companies to understand where do they need certain talent? How do they develop talent? How do they attract that? So it's really full spectrum. My team was running internal talent acquisition across all the businesses in Cornbury. And it was a really interesting time because the company was in significant change. There had been a number of acquisitions over the years, rebranding of certain businesses. It was interesting to see how the company was continuing to pivot, particularly focuses around remote work, diversity, equity, and inclusion was absolutely massive. My team was tasked with bringing in experts around the world to help grow. And I think the interesting thing is that being in the org strategy and talent acquisition side of things, the influence that a company like Corn Ferry can have on very large Fortune 500 organizations is, is very significant. My role was really ensuring that uh, from a firm perspective, we had the right people in the right places aligned to the right types of business at that point in time. How many countries were you responsible for? I think in terms of coverage, when we talk about global there are really key locations that I think is true for Corn Ferry, it's true for globalization partners, it's true for previous organizations I've been with as well, is that we look at a regional basis. Most of the organizations that we work with, they're really global businesses and are expanding. So my team sat in primarily North America and EMEA and to a lesser extent APAC, but really global coverage wherever the talent acquisition expertise was needed. How often was the recruiter in a different country than the candidate? Surprisingly a lot. I've had to change over time. So if I rewind 15 years ago at Citibank, I really had the view that the recruiter, the hiring manager, the candidates generally should be in the same location. You need to have an understanding of the local market, but recruitment really, it's not scalable. You can't have people in every single country and in some locations such as the US or China, very large geographies, you can't have people in every single city. So it would be 75% of the time you would have a recruiter who's in a different country than a hiring manager, who's in a different country than a candidate. It's something that Cornberry previous firms have become more comfortable at. And I think myself over the time, I've had to recalibrate my expectations that you don't need to be in a country to understand it. You don't need to necessarily have recruited a specific role before to understand that you just need to know the right sort of questions to ask and be a very good listener. I think that asking the right questions and being a good listener translates across any country or language barriers. So yeah, most of the time the recruiters were not in the same location as either the candidates or the uh, hiring managers. What are you working on at Globalization Partners? So when we were first established, we were really helping companies to expand globally. And what we would say to them is, you find the talent, you find the individual, and then we will onboard them onto our compliant global employment platform. A lot of our customers say, they don't know the talent. I want to hire somebody in Asia, but I don't know Singapore. So my role is actually to, to build a solution for customers to help them find the talent. So if they want to expand into EMEA, where's the best place to look for a business development person to support the European region? And, and do that through partners. So do that through either companies that are on the ground in those locations 
or have very deep industry sector expertise in, for example, SaaS or cloud companies or education technology or fintech. My role is really the first part of that. We can help you find the talent. And then after that, it goes into the more traditional side of globalization partners, which is the employer of record, a global employment platform. How often does a customer come to your company and, and say, I want to hire internationally? but I don't know where to start. When companies have expanded internationally, they've looked to certain locations. They know that they need to have somebody on the ground in a particular location. So if you want to be successful in the Asia-Pac region, you would normally put somebody in a Hong Kong or a Singapore as an example. I think it's completely changed in the last 18 months because now we realize that you can support your customers, you can build market penetration without necessarily having people on the ground. And even if they are on the ground, it doesn't mean that they're meeting face to face. There's more customers coming to us now that say, this is what I'm trying to do. I'd like to expand our company into Asia Pacific as an example. Where do I start? Where do I need people? What type of people do I need? So I think they've got a lot more questions. Whereas when I look back before, people were a lot more explicit around they need this level person in this particular location. And given the move to remote work and the opportunities that's given, now people are asking different questions. Can you help me understand what the talent pool would be like in two or three different locations? What are the pros and cons of going into one location versus another? People are looking for more insight and some data and being a lot more pragmatic around the decisions that they're making rather than Singapore sounds like a great place. Let's look in Singapore. So it is increasing the number of customers that are coming to us and saying, you're the experts. Can you help us understand where the opportunities are to find the right kind of people? They're very clear about the profile of the individual that they want, but the locations, they're a little bit more agnostic to that. There is always an opportunity to engage somebody with very minimal sort of restrictions, but look for the best person. Maybe sometimes you'll look within a region you might look within a time zone. You might look for language capability. You want somebody who's bilingual, English and French. Let's go after that talent. And once you've found them, then we can help employ them and engage them through the, the global employment platform. And I think that's one of the key things. And it's just the questions have changed. And actually, a lot of companies didn't realize that solutions like this existed. And certainly the pandemic and the comfort that we have from working remotely has certainly accelerated. If I want to hire a customer service representative for $1,500 a month, is this a path that I should take? Or if I want to hire a VP of business development to launch France? A lot of the time we are helping with global expansion. So we're putting the first boots on the ground, the first senior individuals in a particular location. And that's really where global expansion is. So US tech company, you want to put a business development person in the EMEA region. That's really the sweet spot for us. Once you're established and you want to put bigger teams, it actually makes more sense to set up an entity. Our sweet spot is that mid to senior level. It's the real value add. It's the people that are driving the business there. It's not the entry level sort of talent, customer service talent. We, we can certainly do that, but I think there are other solutions that actually have more advantages than using an employer record or sort of global employment platform. You've been a talent acquisition leader in two different companies during the pandemic. How has recruitment changed? What I've seen is a very large company like a Corn Ferry, the banks that I'd previously been with as well, 
had to really quickly adjust to that. And, and what that meant is looking at the workforce. If you're a senior HR person or a senior leader, you are very internally focused during the initial months of the pandemic. And I think that's true of most organizations, that there was very limited external activity. That meant that we had to look at how we redeployed people internally, set up different projects, get people working on different things that add longer term value. Those things that you don't have time to do necessarily in a business use usual environment. So we, we definitely looked at engaging the team, connecting them better globally, looking at processes, those types of things. Globalization partners, I think, in a very different space because the business is growing significantly. People had moved to working from home and that the remote work environment, the appetite actually to, to broaden the net in terms of talent was there. So globalization partners, I think we've tripled probably this year in terms of headcount and the business has really taken off. So the pandemic has been a catalyst for a lot of what we've done. So it is very different from a long-term established company. Cornfair is 50 years old, I think last year or the year before with a global network that really had to be quite conservative and be ready for when business came back. And I think globalization partners, smaller, more agile organization growing very quickly pre-pandemic and certainly some of the wins, although they were negative for the general business environment, were positive for globalization partners. It's been a bit of a whirlwind ride, particularly the last six or nine months when we've got vaccination levels up, businesses going back, people are yeah, a lot more externally focused. Um, and, and that's been the, the biggest difference between the two for me. Technical question. Where are you employed? I'm employed in the UK. That's the model. It's actually great to work for a company where, regardless of what location I am, we can compliantly be employed. But in, in terms of our team, the people I interact with on a, on a daily basis, we, we are truly global. I think it's 22 countries just last quarter alone, adding on to the other locations where we're already existing. So I think that's one of the benefits of working for organizations such as GP is that from a personal perspective, I choose to be in the UK. I can be compliantly employed in the UK and all of my employment agreements and benefits are, are UK-based, but the flexibility is there. That was something that only large companies had in the past, the, the ability to support that. Now, smaller and medium-sized organizations also have that opportunity. That's, again, where the democratization of opportunities are also relevant for companies as well. They can do things that maybe previously only a very large multinational could do is supporting people in multiple different locations. Is an organization's capability to employ a candidate in their own country an advantage in the recruitment process? It's a candidate short market. There's skill shortages. This is not something that's come about from the pandemic. This is skill shortages in certain locations, certain functional areas, certain industry sectors have been there for a long time. And I think that what global remote work does is provide the opportunities, one, for candidates to ask for the flexibility, but also for companies to deliver that. And I do think if you're talking to an employer who says to you, I can provide the flexibility to support you in your home location, if at a point of time you did want to move for either for business reasons or personal reasons, we're also open to that. Against a more traditional company who wants you to be in the office in a specific location, you sign an agreement to work in London, you will always be in London. I, I do think that flexibility is really important in the market now for certain types of roles and certain individuals. It's certainly not across the board. How do you think recruiting will change in the next five years? Technology is coming to every business and every area of business as well. And recruitment is no different. I like to look at 
talent acquisition more broadly. So the talent strategy, whether it's internal mobility, whether it's bringing people in from the outside, global remote workforces, the opportunity for using technology from a communication perspective to bridge some of the gaps, to help from a diversity and inclusion perspective, making sure that we're bringing in diverse candidates and we're providing equal opportunities. I think that's really important. But what I go back to is it's still about people. So technology should be there to facilitate that, to take away some of the, the administrative burden to allow people to spend more time on the value-added activities, which is having conversations, connecting, making sure the fit is right. I do see quite an acceleration in the use of technology to automate a lot of these things. For me, technology is an enabler. It's not the end result. And I think over the next five years, we'll see that there are certain roles at certain levels, particularly when companies are hiring at scale, where technology is going to be more important. There'll be less of a human interaction on that. So I would hope that over the next five years, we don't lose sight of the fact that recruitment is part art and part science. Let's not focus too much on the science. The science is there to help us, the tools and technologies, but let's focus on the outside and making sure that we get the right connections and that we build relationships with candidates, not just for today, but for the future. And I'd say that the tools and technologies are there to support that. But I don't think the job of a recruiter or a talent acquisition expert is at threat from that. I'm not a, a believer in that. So I do think that's where probably we're going to see the use of technologies really to enable us to spend more time on the one-to-one -one people interactions. Recruitment is a process. It, it's somewhat of a transaction. But if you want to attract the best person is not applying for a role. You can't go onto a job board and post a role and expect the best person to be applying for that because it's very likely they're already well engaged with a particular company right now. So that's where reaching out to individuals, building the relationships. If you look at HR technology quite broadly and certainly the area from a global employment platform perspective for GP, a lot of that is a transaction. It's a contract. It's getting the benefits. It's going backwards and forwards, negotiating an employment offer. A lot of that can be done, certainly onboarding, certainly payroll, certainly benefits administration, being able to globally manage your workforce. Technology is fantastic for that. But if I look at recruitment, it's a bit of a matchmaking service, right? And you need to have a story and you need to have somebody involved and walking you through that. And if you want to have the best talent, regardless of where in the world they are, uh, I think the expectation is that it is a, a person-to-person discussion rather than click a button, somebody does a filter, there's an AI that says you're the best person for it. Here's the offer, go on board. It's managing the balance of that. I think we can do everything through technology. We can do nothing through technology. We've got to meet in the middle somewhere and say, okay, what are the elements, what are the activities where the value add is efficiency and its speed and its accuracy, technologies can do that. And as you say, until you can build a relationship with a machine, I'm certainly not opening discussions with, with them about making a career choice. Yes, the technology can do these things, but should it do those things? I'm not a big believer in that right now. What's your personal mission? When I joined Globalization Partners, I knew the head of Asia Pacific Business. I've known him for a number of years. And the one thing that we did look at is that opportunities were not evenly distributed. I do think that from a mission perspective, and this is my personal mission, and it's very, very aligned with Globalization Partners, is it's that democratization of opportunity, whether it's for the individual, the employee, the candidate, or it's for the company. 
it's not just about recruitment. It's not about finding the right person, but it's really about what impact does that have on individuals? So I was on an all hands call a couple of weeks ago and Nicole Sahin, who is our CEO, she talks us through how what we do on a day-to-day basis links back into that mission, which is if you provide opportunities for people, it's not just for that individual, it's their family, it's their community, it's the broader economy in those locations, democratization of opportunity is something that is passionate to me because I've lived in lots of places where the opportunity really wasn't there. There's an opportunity to change that. I think the reason I joined Globalization Partners is because I have the opportunity to help shape some of that globally and do it at scale. It's also a privilege. There's something that we can do that will fundamentally, one, change business and the way that we work, but also you know, provide opportunities for, for individuals and families and their communities. It's a virtuous cycle. If we can get this right, it goes back to what's exciting me at the moment is the opportunity to really shape that. Thanks, Mark. Hola. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with a friend, your colleague, or your talent team. If you have questions you want me to ask in a future episode or issues that you want to know more about, connect with me on LinkedIn. I've added the link in the show notes. So, see you next week. Take care. All that. Bye-bye.